Hello and welcome to Conversations with the Universe podcast. It's channeled conversations on deep subjects that enhance our experience of life. I'm your host, Becca Grabinski. Let's dive in. Hello and welcome. Today we have Kelly McKenzie on the podcast. Kelly, I'm super excited for you to join us today. I'm glad to be here. And we're going to be chatting about... I mean, the holidays are coming up, right? We're kind of in them. And Kelly, you have an incredible, um, really life experience and you've had some hardships and you have really shown the world like your strength through losing your dad. So a couple questions I have for you is, is, is going through this process of, of losing your dad. What, what did you experience? I mean, what was your experience? What was your kind of message that you got through this? What was like, if you look at like the big picture of going through this, because, you know, I think we all know the truth is like the one thing that's inevitable, right? In this life of being a human, right? Is that it, it comes to an end, whether it's our life or the people around us. What kind of, what, what stood out for you so far, you know, in this experience of, of loss? Hmm. You know, I think in every experience of loss, whether it's a person or a job or um, abilities that you might have, there's also there's also something to be gained. And um, for me, that was the biggest take home for sure, was that in every situation, even if it is painfully terrible and almost feels unlivable, there's always going to be something um, that you get in return if you're willing to have a grateful heart and -hmm. if you're willing to see it and if you are willing to search for it sometimes. Right. Mm -hmm. So can you share with the listeners um, kind of the process of events that happened and how it came from? Obviously, everything was normal and great too. So just the shift in, in the events and just to kind of give them an idea of what you went through, because I think that, and, and I guess this is just me looking through my lens is that, that your experience of loss for me felt a lot more traumatic than what I see most people go through or the people that I've seen. Um, mm-hmm. So just to kind of give the listeners like an idea of, of, of what really happened, how it happened mm-hmm. in your eyes. It was a really interesting time in our family we were all on the cusp of great things. And um, I can speak to it from my dad's perspective or my mom, my mom's or um, his congregations or something like that. But just like you said, um, it's best through our own lens. So for me, from my perspective, when I look back at that time, um, there I was pregnant with my second child. My husband was about to graduate from an engineering program and we were, about to finally take off, you know, um, my parents, my dad had just gotten, uh, he was a pastor and he had just gotten a new job, a new calling, um, at the largest congregation within his, um, particular denomination in the whole United States. And so that was incredible. And, um, they had just moved into a new home And we were all planning, this is to spend the summer together at the church camp and just really shift and start 
a new time in all of our lives. And so there had been a lot of anticipation and excitement more than probably any other time in my adult life um, where all of us, it seemed like the universe was lining us all up for this amazing, incredible time that we would be blessed enough to share together. And we all could not wait. We were so excited and everything was starting. Um, And just a few weeks before my husband's graduation, when it was all supposed to be fabulous, and I was about four and a half, five months pregnant, um, and my parents had just finished moving into their new house, Um, my dad had been having these headaches, and he, they were really bad, and I knew they were bad. And he had been seeking out all kinds of help, chiropractors and doctors, and everyone told him the wrong things. It was allergies. It was this. It was that. But he had never been a person to have headaches. And I just told him, you have to go in. You have to get imaging. Um, And for whatever reason, he didn't. And my parents went on this incredible vacation with a couple of their best friends to Florida, and he couldn't swallow. And so they went to the emergency room and they told him that he had a glioblastoma, a brain tumor. Um, Yeah, which is what I've been telling him he had for a couple of weeks. We told him, I'm worried you have a brain tumor. I think that you do. You need to get it checked out. And so there he was living his best life, except for he couldn't. And he got this terrible news and my mom called us and she told us over the phone that that's what was going on and that they would be coming home immediately to get a second opinion. And um, everything took off from there. He got a diagnostic brain tumor um, biopsy. And uh, what happened was they accidentally gave him a stroke during the biopsy. He was going to go right back to work uh, within a couple of weeks. And instead he ended up paralyzed and in the ICU on a ventilator. And for the rest of his life that they lived, uh, that he lived, they, uh, they thought he would live three to six months. He ended up living about 20 months. Um, He needed full help. And he had really been the uh, center of our family and an amazing athlete, a marathon runner, a faithful man. And um, Yeah, so none of those hopes and dreams that we had all built up and been so excited for happened, and our lives changed forever from that day, and we all became 24-7 care providers of an infant, Um, and my dad, we moved in with them, and we took care of him, and I got to know my dad in a whole different way, and it was a really special, sacred, painful time. Hmm. So would you say that, like, obviously, you know, it, you know, in society, we have all these dreams and all these things and all these amazing things that we want to do. Do you think that really, like, sometimes I feel like their blessings and our gifts are really in the, sometimes the hard stages of life where we really have the miracles happen. It's not about all these things that we get to do that we strive mm-hmm. for, right? Our desires, but it's in those small moments of of conversation, actually, um, Kurt's grandma passed away this, this 
not that long ago. And this last summer I got to sit on her porch and I asked her, I just felt compelled to ask her all these questions, right. Mm -hmm. All about, Mm -hmm. you know, all of the, you know, you think of their lifespan and how long they've lived, right. Three times as long as I have lived, it feels like, or maybe two and a half and all the things that you get to learn that maybe you would have never done before because you're kind of in the moment of achieving, right. Mm -hmm. Versus being. Yep. What, what do you think of that? What's your perspective you, on that? You're right on. Um, I recently wrote a letter to my mom. She's selling the house that we all lived in, um, the house that was supposed to be hopes and dreams. And mm-hmm. um, and it ended up being such a different thing, a time of so much togetherness and love and um, strength and growth and um I think in that time, what it forced us to do and what I recently reflected to my mom is that it taught us how to live in the moment and for the moment and with only the ability to appreciate the moment. Um, Mm. We never knew, we didn't know when my dad would die, but we knew he probably would. He was supposed to. um, And it's an interesting thing to get a death sentence or a lifetimer, depending on how you look at it um, for a loved one. Um, because you worry that every moment will be your last. And yet there's so many things in life that have to happen that sort of take away from the serious of it, of it. Um, little, little kids running around, cracking up, telling jokes, um, people, tripping or you know just funny jokes funny things that happen all day long and to only get to live for literally a few hours at a time most of the time we never knew if he would stop breathing or get pneumonia again or if the tumor would metastasize or um, eventually it moved to his spine so we never knew if there would be a day where his his body just lost function completely we never knew when it would come and so when we were Together, we're reflecting by ourselves or trying to have me time. We all found ourselves in this moment of stopping planning, which is so ironic because (laughs) much of the sadness in the early part of his disease is that all our hopes and dreams we had for our family wouldn't happen. And so then we were not making any plans at all. And so it forced us to just focus on what was happening right then and there. And when you're forced to not plan for what we thought would be three months or six months, it's a lot different than when we got to month (laughs) 18. And you still, I mean, think about that, a year and a half of your life without making any plans. Mm -hmm. None. And it's just, it's fascinating because it really makes you, it frees up part of your brain. It frees up part of your brain to notice what's right in front of you. And it frees up part of your brain to do exactly what you want to do in this moment or to make the most of whatever the moment is. And I think we don't realize how much time I've resumed life planning now. And God is still laughing at me for maybe not (laughs) learning the lesson that I should (laughs) Oh, yes. So true. Um, but in the moment, it really, it's amazing how much time we spend even sort of unconsciously 
standing in line or something and saying, you know what would be really fun? We should do this in a couple of months. And really getting into it and suddenly you're 10 or 15 minutes into searching your phone or um, calling people to organize something. And not that we should never plan, but if you can't, it frees up so much more of your time, even if you're just standing in a line to look outside the window or to notice the people in front of you or to just be, just be in your head and rest your brain and be better for it too. Mm-hmm. Well, and how many times do we make plans that don't happen all the time? And what level of disappointment or sadness do we feel in the mm-hmm. age of Facebook that suggests no less than 107 things for each moment of every day <laughs> that all right. look so fun to go to? I know you do this too. I see you on there liking yeah. and being interested in various events. And it sounds so fun, so fun, so fun. And there's that balance between living your best life because you're getting out there and you're really living it and you're doing it and living your best life because you're not trying to see what you might miss. Right. Well, and it was interesting. I was listening to somebody maybe last week. They were talking about how to have that same energy as you are on vacation, right? Because on vacation, you're super present. There's no really like to-do list unless you have an itinerary, which I go to the beach. So there's really no itinerary on the (laughs) beach, right? When the sun comes up, I'm out. When the sun goes down, I go in. Um, Mm -hmm. And living that same, within that same energetic blueprint, right? In your normal day life. And so it's waking up and it's like, what would you have me do now? And like mm-hmm. that level of trust, right? To let yourself be guided instead instead of letting like your ego and your mind try to manipulate it and try to figure everything out. And then, I mean, even the other day, like it snowed, right? And I was like, oh my gosh, do I need a snowblower? Like I'm like literally spent a day and a half, like almost miserable <laughs> trying to figure out this whole snowblower, calling all these people, like which one do I get? And like, how do I know which one is right and which one has the hand warmers and is my, you know, eight-year-old son going to be able to push it? Like, <laughs> I mean, like a day and a half wasted, right? Over like nothing. Did you get a snowblower? No, I still don't have one. No, it's like. Listen like, to me. I'm, this is why you're meant to call. This is why this podcast is, is happening. Oh my gosh. It's so clear to me now. <laughs> <laughs> shoveling and only shoveling for the last three winters we got yeah. a snowblower this year we inherited a snowblower and the, you know what the sad part is we owned it all of last year and we didn't want to do the maintenance like okay. we just kept putting it off and shoveling instead um yeah. and so we shoveled all winter because we always had and I will tell you what this year I said to my husband, Brian, please, please just do the maintenance. And it took him all of an hour and a half uh, to change the oil and put in a new carburetor or whatever it needed after it had been sitting. And yeah. 14 minutes, 14 no minutes for what would have taken us two and a half hours every single time it snowed. And I have right. to tell you, every time I've driven by my driveway since that first snow a few days ago, I'm so happy. I'm so Mm. happy that the snow isn't a big deal. And I know you and I know how you feel about snow. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. It's my favorite, my favorite thing. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's so true. To hear me that order any snowblower in your life will be better. I promise you. Yeah. 
isn't it interesting how like we get, <laughs> but we get so caught up in the mind, right? Where it's just like we analyze and we're like, well, is it worth the investment or is it? And it's like literally oh. like a day and a half of my life is gone. <laughs> and I probably had this like negative energy vibe coming out of me towards my kids, right? Of like oh. over a snowblower. Yes. Yeah. How we analyze. How awesome. Well, good. So now you've solved my problem. Okay. So I wrote down a question um, that I wanted to ask you as you were going. So how has this, how has this like event of you being present, right? And like learning and feeling of the gift of being present, right? Because we all know it's true, right? If we live too much in the past, we can feel depression, right? The depressed feelings kind of come up. And if we live too much in the future um, of what we should do in this planning, we get anxious. Yeah. Right. So how has this changed your other relationships, whether it be with your husband or your kids or your friends or your family? Have you noticed anything change there? Huh, that's a good one. You know what I noticed about that is that everybody, everybody came to the moment of peace, or maybe not peace, but acceptance of not planning and uh-huh. not thinking of what the future might be at different stages um, within our 20-month process. And everyone resumed planning. So I have two sisters and a mom. And my dad had a brother and sister-in-law who were very, very um, involved in his care. And then many, many friends um, who were so helpful and so involved. Um, so we ended up this little tribe of like 20 people. And everyone in that process came to the acceptance that there wouldn't be planning anymore at different times. And they resumed Mm -hmm. planning at different times. Mm. So when you are surrounded by the people who you love most in life and who, because you couldn't make plans, are pretty much the only people (laughs) you've hung out with for 20 months. And everyone is going through these stages, which are really grief stages, at different times. And then they're sort of personal growth stages at different times. Um, What I noticed is that the timing of each person going through those stages is the thing that most impacted relationships. The differences Mm. in timing. The I'm not where you are right now, or I'm not in that headspace, or how dare you have the audacity um, if you're further behind in a stage than someone else's who's moving forward or who already has accepted it. Um, Those were the things that were difficult, but I will tell you that they were strengthened um, as we looked at people who were able to move forward is such a silly phrase, but who were, who were in their growth or who had already done that stage. um, Those people definitely stood by waiting and knowing and supporting the people who were who were experiencing a leg in that process um and so Mm -hmm. those relationships were all challenged by the differences in timing and I think that um that we all have more understanding and kindness and love um now that we are at the other side and we are more uniquely independently our own people versus family Mm -hmm. that's beautiful 
Well, don't you think too, like when, when life events happen, right. And your heart gets broken open in a million pieces and you see them laying on the floor and you're like, I don't even know how this will ever come back together. Like you don't like, you can't even comprehend it. And it's like that breaking open allows more light in, which it really does transform you. I mean, it's, it's a horrible pain really, you know, and it's like, which my yoga teacher, she's like, it's just sensation, right? And kind of want to punch you in the face right now, right? But I mean, it's true, right? It's a sensation that we have. And it's something that we've been taught to resist, right? Instead of just allowing ourselves to feel it and sit in it and allow ourselves to, did you find yourself in a lot of state of resistance? I think that's such powerful imagery, having your life on the floor in a million broken pieces. And I wish that we were taught you said a a really important thing right there where you said I can't even imagine how it will all fit back together and I Mm -hmm. think that's the problem right Um, that we try to imagine how it's going to fit back together like it was before using the exact same Mm -hmm. pieces and things like that and I wish that we were we were taught, we were exposed to the ideas of, we were encouraged to imagine all those million broken pieces actually being parts, puzzle pieces of other, of other whole parts that you just Mm -hmm. haven't seen yet. And that maybe, (laughs) maybe there's a piece on the floor that's going to go to a a different picture and maybe there's eight pictures and it's not one picture and each little piece that we learn from that brokenness releases the ability to create another work another experience Mm -hmm. whatever it is and so if we focus on trying to put back the pieces how they were well they're never going to (laughs) get that's what we can do to ourselves honey it's never going to happen and so to to be curious in that process. Well, I wonder where all these will lead. I wonder what they will create. Won't it be nice when we can see that? And gosh, I sure hope I have the perspective to be able to appreciate it when it does come together in a different way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's so powerful to think of it that way. Well, and I mean, we can we can plan and decide and see the things you know the way that, that the way that we want them to go and when we hold that vision and not allow the miracles that are actually coming through because they are miracles mm-hmm. you know we experience more grief mm-hmm. and we experience more hardship and we have more tears and we pull ourselves out of the alignment this beautiful alignment that we could flow through um you know through damnation really is what it is mm-hmm. putting our foot down this is how it's going to go and this is and and I don't know about you, but I think that like the world is changing significantly and people are shifting views quicker than I've ever experienced and desiring different things and, and releasing the need for different things that they used, that used to be the norm. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's just allowing yourself to kind of just sit back and be like, well, like, what do I need right now? Cause tomorrow doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. I can't control it. So as you were going through your stages of grief, um, do you still feel like a lot of that still comes up for you now? Do you feel like you've healed a lot? Like where are you at in this, in, in this, you know, loss of your dad? Do you still have connection with him? Can you still, still speak to him? Absolutely. Um, Yeah. I spent a lot of time 
um, I spent a lot of time driving my dad around in those 20 months. I was, I was a stay at home mom and everybody else worked. And so my dad needed to go places several times a week. Of course, he was very popular, well-loved man. And he had additionally many, many medical appointments to go to. And some of our most special moments happened driving in the car. And I still talk to him there. <laughs> it feels natural. Mm-hmm. Yep. Wow. Um, a personal growth, like personal growth that you've gone through. And then even just like your immediate family, like your, like, especially like your kids are, are still, are still little yet. Right. Um, and your husband, like, what have you noticed has changed the dynamics of your family? Um, hmm. for me, the experience was very, um, not to be really cliche, but YOLO, right? Um, towards the end of my dad's mm-hmm. life, I realized that I, I didn't know how long he was going to live, um, or when he was going to die. And I decided to go back to school. It was this un- this undone thing that I felt inexplicably called to do at that exact moment. And I sort of laughed at God and said, okay, let's do it. (laughs) And, Mm -hmm. um, and so, so that um, brought me forward, I think in the, the healing process in the whole, okay, I'm thinking about life regardless of if my dad is going to be alive um, or not. And just accepting that no matter what happened, I had this calling and um, you can't fight a calling, you can't resist it. And so I did it. Um, and what I found, what I found, at least between my husband and I, was that there was a newfound confidence, sort of, in us that we could do things, hard things, really hard things. Mm-hmm. And, um, mm-hmm. and that's been... That was a gift. So it, it meant that I was gone more often and my husband was working from home and caring for our two really little kids um, on his own. But we knew that we could do hard things. And that has just cascaded into every other thing. We don't look at it the same way. So I would say, as we did before. So I would say for us, it was strengthening in that we we knew that we could just do hard things after that. And that paradoxically, nothing ever seemed as hard. It was always, well, at least neither of us has a brain tumor. (laughs) At least nobody's dying, but it was real. It was things people say all the time, but it was real. And we knew the gravity of it. And we were thankful and we knew we could do whatever we needed to do. But there was also this, um, when you're tapped out emotionally, regardless of your attitude, there's just this this weight of it all. Um, Because your brain can only process things so fast and emotions come up unexpectedly. And when you have a one-year-old and a three-year-old, they use up 99% of your um, (laughs) energy, everything. So we found that we couldn't be each other's person during that time. And in fact, probably um, just weren't our best selves for each other. So I think in that way, we've done a lot of 
growth in um, in having more support people for us as individuals um, and as telling each other what we needed because we both knew each other were so limited at the time. So it, we had to zero mm-hmm. in on really thinking about it and being personally aware enough to realize what we needed and then to communicate it um, to the other person. And that's been helpful. Did you find like, all of a sudden you had to be your person, right? Did you find that your self-care and your, you know, maybe spiritual practices and your connection shifted in that, in that awareness? Mm. Sure. And maybe my spiritual awareness went up too. Um, Yeah, just trusting and did I have to be my own person? My own person to show up for me? Yeah. Everybody else was tapped out. So ultimately it boiled Mm -hmm. down to me. But I will say that I, I also leaned on friends when I had the energy to do it. And I always, it made me more aware that I needed more people. In fact, while I had to be my own person, um, what I realized is that I also really, really, really enjoyed showing up for other people and being their person Mm -hmm. outside Mm -hmm. of my current situation. I missed those connections and more than wanting support from others, I missed being a support to others. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that's your gift. I mean, you're <laughs> so that was you're a giver, like beyond what I've ever experienced from any other person mm-hmm. in my life. Honestly, thanks, Becca. No, it's just a yeah. God thing. <laughs> that's- yeah, yeah, that's a gift of yours. I mean, it's I watch you, and it's just like just this. You just have this angelic gift, and it's it's amazing. Like I don't have near the energy to be able to output. Like for me, it's more my energy has to be held in where you can just kind of let your light shine and it just, it magnifies. I mean, you've, I mean, you've shown up in my life in areas where nobody was there and you came out of nowhere. Like I didn't even see it coming and it's just, it's beautiful. Like it's definitely your gift. Thank you. Yeah. Anything else? Oh, go ahead. I just, on that note, I think tapping into the you know in flow right that's you becca you're in flow Mm -hmm. whatever should happen is going to happen so don't worry about it right Mm -hmm. i think Mm -hmm. when we're having thoughts in our heads privately and just that showing up for people at exactly the right time thing um Mm -hmm. we so often say like oh this should happen that should happen but like i have this thing where I'll have a thought and I'll say, well, that's funny. That's a little out of the ordinary. I must be having that thought for a reason. And I think if we can Mm -hmm. all pause for a minute and just go on the thoughts that seem a little bit off or not ordinary and go, oh, and say, there must be a reason for that. Like, that's the thing. I feel it in my body. It feels like, I don't know, like a full body hiccup or something like, oh, well, and so I pursue that. So I pick up the phone and I call that person or I, whatever it is. And I think if we all did that, we might be surprised at how God could use us or how the universe wants to use us or 
mm-hmm. what's in play. And you know what? I think too that we don't we don't know how we show up for people sometimes. We don't know that we are um, and that we are being used and blessing people without realizing it all the time. Right. Absolutely. I mean, that's where this podcast came out of one day. It was like, you should do a podcast. I'm like, I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> what do you mean? Like you have to have like all these things. And I was like, oh, if you want me to do it, make it easy. And then all of a sudden it was like this like email came through something with this app. Like, hey, if you want to do a podcast and you want it to be easy, try this. And I was like, this is crazy. And then I'm like, what would you have me call it? You know what I mean? And then all of a sudden it's like people are showing up everywhere. <clears throat> and then it kind of got shut down for the summer. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden last week, it was like, it was Monday, I think it was. And it was like, here are the people that are going to be on your podcast next week. I'm like, well, they don't even know it yet, <laughs> you know? And you're right. It's just that total flow of just like allowing, like, I don't know what this is supposed to be. I don't need to know, right? It's not about me having to have all the pieces mm-hmm. of the puzzle. It's just about me following every single step. What would you have me do today? Yeah. And do that. You spoke about resistance earlier. And I think, I think that's the thing. When we ignore the nudges from the universe or crystal clear signs, <laughs> crystal mm-hmm. clear signs, mm-hmm. suddenly every billboard says podcast or every <laughs> 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 every email you get that should have gone to your junk folder doesn't. And your friends, all they can talk about is their favorite podcast or whatever the thing is. I think my personal life experience is that it is exhausting to resist it. And that I get it sick is. inside, physically ill. Mm-hmm. And my brain mm-hmm. knows when the universe is trying to tell you to do something, you just have to do it. Um, mm-hmm. Because now, now I know that I would be giving up cool opportunities now that I'm in practice of doing whatever, whatever I'm led to do. Um, but But trying to resist it has just... I think it causes a lot of physical unwellness Um, Mm -hmm. and the root of that is fear. And the best thing you can ask yourself all the time is, well, what if it worked out? Right. What if everything's just working out perfectly? It's like, I remember when I first kind of started down the, the route of trusting myself a little bit more, even though I was hearing it, but I wasn't acting upon Mm -hmm. it. And it was like, take the step and then the stair will appear. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, and you take the next step and another stair will appear and it's like, it's blind trust, but, but it's true. Once you practice it for a while and you're like, Hey, I got this. I mean, I don't know about you, but there's still areas where I'm like, Oh, I don't know. You know, my head kind of gets in the way, but like, even like when people are like, well, if I do that, like, how am I going to, you know, support my family or how is the abundance going to come in? And it comes in faster and stronger and easier. And from areas that like you would never guess it would show up. Like you're totally completely supported. Do you remember a time many years ago, four or five years ago? That's not many. That's just yesterday. And it was late at night. And I came (laughs) by your house to get something. And you told me, I'll never forget this. It was right when you told me that you were going to start writing a book and you didn't know why. And I think it was when you had just met Kurt and you said, I am trusting so much in whatever I'm being told to do that if I go on a run and I feel I feel a push to go right. So I'm going to turn right. And if, if God or the universe is telling me to turn left, then I guess I'm going to, I'm not even going to make a route. I'm literally going to do this in every aspect of my life. 
Mm-hmm. And my initial thought was, God, she must have a lot of time. <laughs> <laughs> but I also was so excited for you uh, to be free of having to make choices because you had had to make mm-hmm. so many, That's all I've ever done. So yeah. many uh-huh. hard choices before that. And right. when you're in flow, you don't really have to make choices. You just get to enjoy the ride. Right. And not knowing and not, I don't want to say not caring because obviously Different. you care, but you kind of know after a while and even when it's like hard, right? Mm-hmm. So like I've had lots of hard moments over this last probably since the beginning of the summer, sure. like heartbroken on the floor, hard moments. And it was like, I'm here for a reason. Mm-hmm. And, you know, weeks or months after that, that event had happened, I turned around, I'm like, I'm so glad that that happened. Yeah. So it's not like yeah. trust and everything's going to be perfect no. and, you know, a fairy tale, not at all, but it's like what you're asking for, for the universe to bring it to you in the shortest amount of time, you must surrender and allow them to bring you through maybe like a swamp or a dark forest or whatever. And all of a sudden you're sitting on a beach yeah. and you're like, whoa, how did I get here so fast? And trusting in it, you know, <laughs> one luxury you and I have earned is, is knowing now having been brought through so many hard things and continuing to be that you, you don't get to know why you're going through that while it's happening. It's not something we get to know, Mm -mm. but the trust Mm -mm. that we have gained that it's all going to be for something good or so that we can help Mm -hmm. others in a similar way or like we don't get to know while it's happening. But afterwards, I love the moment when I go, oh, this happened to me and now, now I get it or it sneaks Mm -hmm. up on you and you go oh this you're with a person going through a similar pain and you go oh this right here this is the reason this happened to me Mm -hmm. and yeah it's powerful and you know and it's amazing Mm -hmm. like you can't even believe that it was set up like that and it just makes you Mm -hmm. believe (laughs) right 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 there's so there's something so much bigger than us and it's just we don't see it. We can feel it. Mm-hmm. You know, we feel the nudges, we feel the energy around us, but it's like, it's just, everything's working out for every single one of us. And even though in moments we have a story of maybe why it's not, uh-huh. um, we just have to release our story of what we think it should be and just allow it to be whatever it is and trust that it's going to be so much better on the other right. side. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you have like, during your day, I mean, like any type of like practice or like spiritual practice or something that you're, you know, whether it be prayer or meditation or, or anything that you do every single day, do you do it, you know, at a certain time? Do you kind of like throughout the day, you kind of have this mindset? What's, what works really well for you? So you're talking about ritual and you're talking about habits and mm-hmm. yeah. And they're little and they're meaningful. Um, I usually head out of my house in the morning, early morning. And when I turn on the radio in the morning, right before my hand touches the button, I say, thank you, God, for today. I'm so glad for today. Thank you for today. So that might seem really dumb, but or really little or really like why that timing. Um, 
but before I hear anything and before the world floods me with whatever it's going to flood me with that day, like that is my moment to take my seven second mindset and have it be a thankful, grateful heart. And to, and to just acknowledge that it's, that it's bigger than me and that I am part Mm -hmm. of a bigger picture and that I'm not in control and that nothing I'm doing is making me be able to live right now and I'm not in control of it. Mm -hmm. And today is a gift. Um, Mm -hmm. And then I, I practice my habit. Like I said before is when I have a, Oh, that's weird moment. I go for it. Um, I lean in, I make that phone call. I Google that thing. I, whatever it is, the thing that's an irregular thought for me, I'll pay really close attention to that. Um, and then I work in, so if I want to have, if I want to make sure to focus on something or have growth in a way or to pray for someone or to meditate on something, I'll work it into my day. So right now there's, there's a woman our age, she's in her thirties and she is the most athletic, outdoorsy, beloved member of a community and a family and she's just a fabulous person, and she uh, noticed a lump, mm. and she had breast cancer, it metastasized to her neck, and maybe her ovaries, and it's aggressive, and she'll have to do chemo for a couple years, and so every day on my route in the morning, there's a place that I connect with her, so when I get to it, when I cross the bridge, a certain bridge, that's my moment to meditate on Sam, and to send her all the good energy mm. of the day, and I literally put a location with it. Um, And I can't take credit for that. That's a practice that I learned when my dad was sick. And in fact, Sam's dad told me every time I drive by this place, I think of your dad and I pray for him. And it's good because I drive by six or seven times a day. And I, (laughs) and I thought that's incredible. So I've integrated that into my own life. So if there's something that I don't want to think about, but I know I need to make a decision about, I'll integrate that into Mm -hmm. a physical place that I know I'll be within my day so that when I get there or I drive by it, I can at least give it a few minutes of my time to purposely Mm -hmm. reflect when I'm parenting or with a friend or with my husband. And I know it's going to be a hard conversation I pray in that moment God let these me just just give me the words just help Mm -hmm. me to say whatever I'm going to say and afterward like it never fails me it always happens people look at me or the situation goes accordingly Uh, I didn't know how it would work and I know that me and my conscious brain I don't have something to say that's going to be helpful or how it needs to go to make sure everybody is loved and taken care of and the words come every time and never fails me. And so I have mm-hmm. definitely, even if it's like before I take my next breath or say my next thing, it's on that inhalation where I'm saying my prayer and then I'll just start talking. Mm-hmm. And then at night when I lay in my bed, just say thank you for today. And I think about how lucky I am to be in my house, in my bed in my tiny two bedroom, one bath with two kids and a husband and two dogs, (laughs) this little tiny duplex. And I am so glad 
so happy for it. And so just resetting that gratitude at the end of the day has changed my life. Um, I used to stay up at night for hours fretting, not being able to sleep, but having that practice and just getting into the mindset. Thank you, God, so much. Oh my gosh, I am so lucky. This bed is so comfortable and I am warm and safe and like just that. And I can sleep. Mm -hmm. And that's just, that's a cycle of self-care, I think, is to be able to bless yourself with a good attitude and good sleep. Those are Mm -hmm, the best things if you can have control over nothing else because we can't um it's just sleep and setting your attitude in a purposeful way every day Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. when I find too that gratitude is as a practice like Mm -hmm. I remember there was days where I would sit down and I would be like okay I'm gonna you know focus on my gratitude and the things that I'm grateful for and there was times where I didn't actually feel it like I was writing it but like I didn't feel grateful (laughs) And like, that's okay. Like, and, and so I never thought that that was okay. I was like, gosh, what am I doing wrong? Right. There's my ego again, like, like trying to analyze sure. how I'm doing it. And like, it's okay to like, say that you're grateful or, and not feel it at times. Right. That's, that's, that's okay. It's a practice. And so some days you're going to nail it. It's like when you're going out for a run, like if you want to run five miles every day and some days you might hit three and some <laughs> days you might not go at all. Like, mm-hmm. it's okay. It's okay. I think it's like, it's the difference between feeling truly grateful and at least on your worst days, making sure to count your blessings. I do that when I'm in, in, in an angry spot in my head with my husband over who knows what, like it could be a good thing or a bad thing. And I force myself to look at him and say, God, I love so much that he makes me coffee. I might be so mad but he is just looking hot right now or whatever it is and just in my head and if I'm feeling like a good person even though I'm mad um, sometimes out loud but just however many times it takes me to just center around the fact that I love him in the times when I'm mad about you know oftentimes I'm mad and it's not his fault my real feelings are just too mm-hmm. hard to feel. And so, and mm-hmm. so, uh, yeah, but just looking at that person or likewise a situation and saying, you know, it's really great about this though. <laughs> Greatest teeth, maybe, but it really, that's a practice of counting blessings or just really calling out the good. And I think there's huge power in that. Mm-hmm. When it just shows us something that needs to be healed mm-hmm. within us, which is something sometimes we don't like to look at. We're like, what do you mean? You're triggering yeah. something within me that yeah. I need to heal. Thank you yeah. for that gift. Yes. Even though I want to punch <laughs> you in the face. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it was funny. Actually, yesterday we were having a conversation when we had gone out for dinner with some friends and I was like looking at, like, I've, I've been feeling like super frustrated kind of with the kids lately. And I was like, what is this lesson? And then I was like, if I had to ask myself, like, you know, cause that was it. Well then ask, you know, ask your guides. Right. And I was like, you're learning compassion, like on a deeper level, like they're teaching me compassion on a deeper mm-hmm. level. Um, and it's so amazing how like the lessons continue to come up. Like we will continue to be triggered. We will continue yeah. to have emotions that we don't necessarily desire. And it's like turning it around, like, 
what am I here to learn? Like, what is this next going to show me? And like, we all have control, I think, over like, do we want to grow really fast or do we want to grow at a, at an even keel or do we want to grow at a slower mm-hmm. rate? Like we're all kind of deciding that whether we're doing it consciously or not consciously. And for some reason I have this like crazy desire to do everything fast <laughs> and I don't know why. Yes, and so then it's like, I, it's perceived more hardships, right? Because I'm going through my triggers faster. Right. And I think it's, you know, sometimes it's just having that conversation with God in the universe to say, okay, you know, if you want to slow it down for a little bit. That's okay. And then I'll be like, okay, I'm bored. Let's go. <laughs> Give me more. And then here we go again. And then I'm like, why did I do that? Mm-hmm. But it works. It's, it's expanding our hearts, expanding our, well, and last night somebody said something really cool. And she said, the world is, the consciousness of the world is expanding. Right? Sure. And so it's up to us to either expand with it or to resist it. But in the resisting of it, we're going to cause unwanted feelings, right? You know, so same thing as super flow. Like is if we can live in a state of expansion versus contraction, um, it just gets to go better. It gets to feel better. It gets to be a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was such an incredible way of, of explaining, you know, kind of what we're going through. Yeah. And correct me if I'm wrong, but once you go through the growth, it's pretty addicting. It kind of is. Because you yeah. you're like, okay, better what's and next? better, regardless of the challenges along mm-hmm. the way. That if you're Rebecca, right. you would say they're not challenges, they're experiences of growth. And you're right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It gets to go well for all of us. Well, awesome. Well, Kelly, thank you. Is there anything else that you wanted to leave the listeners with before we before we head out? Hmm. I mean, everything, right? Just all the love and take good care of yourselves. And um, yeah, yeah, just I think the most important thing you can do is have Mm. self-love. So if you don't have that yet, start there. Mm -hmm. Right, it all starts with us. All starts Mm -hmm. with us. That's awesome. Well, thank you, Kelly. I so appreciate your time this Thanks morning. Thanks for the opportunity. I loved it. Of course, just like any of our conversations. Thank you for joining us today in deep conversation and transformation. Be sure to subscribe and share. For more incredible support, go to my website at www.beccagrabinski.com. You can also follow me on Facebook and on Instagram.